have you tonight. I hope you're This morning, and it was good to, uh, uh, did I do something? Okay. I didn't think I had. <laughs> um, it was good to see the good crowd this morning, good to see a good crowd on the bus, and we're always glad to see that. Uh, and Dave and Andrea put a lot of work into that. Art puts a lot of work into that. We are, we're so happy for that. But uh, tonight, it's good to see each one of you here. And it, it does amaze me more and more as you get older how the more you study your Bible, the more you find out just how comp uh, complex it is. And I, I don't mean that it's hard to understand necessarily. It is spiritually discerned, but you're never going to exhaust a study of the Bible. It is that wonderful of a book. And the more you study it, the more you find out how different writers could make everything come together just correctly. Just sometimes look at, uh, and it's Paul's writing where it says, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. There are theologians that say, well, the spirit and the soul are the same thing. That's why it said it three times, right? I mean, three. it doesn't make sense, does it? But then you realize in Matthew's gospel, they took his body off the cross and put it in the grave. His body was there. In, uh, uh, it, on the cross, he said, into thy hands I come in my spirit. And then in this day you'll be with me in paradise. There are three different destinations for the three part of Jesus Christ. And those are different authors, even though God's the author. How in the world did they get everything to fit together so perfectly because God's hand was upon that book? And we need to remember that. That's a, that's a, a tremendous blessing because with everything else you see today, um, We'll be looking at receiving man's witness. How many people hang on every word of the news? And there aren't any newscasters that I like. I saw one uh, yesterday. I think it was Andrea Mitchell. And some guy was testifying about uh, pro-life people, and she corrected him. That's what they want to be called. Well, isn't it pro-life if you're... <laughs> I mean, think about it. That child being born, if you don't want that child, then it's not a human. But if you do want that child, uh, it's all right. It, it's just crazy. We're an, uh, uh, is the news media feeding you that stuff, and um, that's why uh, you have to watch out where you get your information. But tonight, we're going to talk about the certainty of your salvation, the certainty of your soul's destiny, and really, there's very little more important than that. I've said before, as my daughter looks at adopting children, you don't necessarily think about this unless you've done so. But uh, those kids have probably been from one uh, foster home to another. They're accustomed to being rejected. They're accustomed to being abandoned. And you don't just say, hey, we're your home now, and you can undo all that stuff. We're much too complex for that. The children are going to have to deal with an insecurity and get that security reestablished and all those things. It would be a tremendous challenge, wouldn't it? Well, think about someone in the devil's family because that's where you were before you got saved. 
and you're uh, adopted into God's family. And just a little bit ahead of myself, last part of verse 13 is after you know you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. In other words, the assurance of eternal life gives you even more faith. And we'll look at that in just a few minutes because uh, God wants us to be secure. Wouldn't it be horrible if you had to wait till you're dead to find out if you're going to heaven? It's too late then. Well, you pray yourself out or you work yourself out of purgatory. What foolishness is that? He wants us to live secure lives in Jesus, and that's what he provided for. In verse 9, it says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath a Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things, that would include all of 1 John, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God. Remember, 1 John was addressed to believers. He says, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. There are people that have trusted Christ as Savior, and they've been fed this falsehood that you can't really know until the end, or you have to persevere to the end, or maybe one day you wake up and you decide you don't want to be saved anymore. Can you imagine anything more dumb than that? I just decide today I, I want to go to hell. It sounds pretty good to me. Who in the world would think that? Because some say, well, yeah, those verses say you can't lose it, but you can walk away from it. No, that's just not true. It says, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And then notice this, that you, and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. You already believe on the name of the Son of God. That's who it's written to. But you know what it does? having that security is going to give you a freedom that you wouldn't have had before. Think about the people. I had a friend that was saved. He was, uh, he was um, I, probably saved, but he went to a Church of Christ school and taught that you could lose your salvation out of a phony Bible. And then some, someone gave him some books on the King James. He realized the difference. And then he realized all of his phony doctrine came from the wrong Bible. And his people wanted nothing to do with him, but he said this to me. He said, I'm sure that a lot of those people are really saved. They just don't enjoy it. Isn't it wonderful to know that I'm going to heaven when I die? You're going to heaven when you die. That's what this is all about. And when I title certainty, God gives us confidence in faith, doesn't he? That is not just assurance, but the peace that comes from that. Remember, the Bible speaks of peace that passes all understanding. Confidence produces more faith. What, what a great word adoption is. A rejected one is then received in adoption. You know what's wonderful about adoption? And they say legally, adoption is a more binding uh, uh, relationship than natural birth because you went to the legal effort to place that child into your family. And that would be consistent with Scripture, wouldn't it? Isn't that wonderful? Some people think, well, my dad is a preacher. That doesn't make you a saved person. That doesn't even guarantee that he was. Well, we see, uh, we see the certainty that he wants us to have, that conviction of certainty so that we don't have to sit and wonder any longer. Uh, the day you got saved was the greatest day in your life. Sometimes people after that have to have assurance that that was the day they got saved. But that is so that we can have certainty. 
in our standing with God. Let's pray. Lord, just bless our time. Give me the right words to speak, Father, and may it be plain and simple that we might understand this. And there may, as far as I know, no one here is uh, concerned about this subject. But Lord, we deal with people all the time that don't understand eternal security. And it's a point of contention with them because they have more confidence in their flesh and their will than they do in God who saves them. Lord, just bless us and give us uh, ammunition as we go out into this lost and dying world and take the gospel to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this starts out, interestingly enough, if we receive the witness of men. If we receive the witness of men. Now think about the witness of men. I'll look at the spiritual part of that first, but let's just cover that with the news media first of all. Do you receive the witness of men? People look at the news, and the only way you can... uh, the only way you can really explain how, like James sent me a thing that says, um, if you can't, if uh, there are, uh, if you don't understand why people believe in Santa Claus, just remember there are people that think Biden's doing a good job. Now I'm not making that as a political thing. The interest rate is almost three times what it was, even though we were assured that spending all that money wasn't going to change it. of that one program to subsidize people to keep their men on payroll when they sent them home, men and women, when they sent them home under COVID, 95% of that has been proven to be fraud. 95% of it. So there are people that, oh, he's so likable and he's all this. That's because they listen to the news media and probably have their hand out and they're getting bought and paid for. That is the news you would not have if you had the facts presented. People would say, wait a minute, I, just, I know I just paid twice as much as I used to for the same thing. And now they want to see bugs as we we're listening, reading the, the mansion over the hilltop. I thought the new version say, we've got an apartment there. Maybe that's the World Economic Forum. He's giving us an apartment and all those things. I don't know, but I'm so glad my Bible says... I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if he prepares it, boy, it's going to be beautiful, isn't it? If we receive the witness of men, some people believe propaganda. And one of the books I'm reading right now is about Joseph Goebbels as he uh, propagandized the people of Germany into thinking that something great was going on. If you tell people a lie enough times and loudly enough, they start believing it is truth. And we have seen that in our country. That's why we're in, in desperate straits. Well... Some people believe propaganda, but if we receive the witness of men, maybe this isn't what it's talking about, but I thought about the witness of men. Think about those 12 disciples. Some say, well, uh, they, 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 it was all a fiction that all this happened. I think I said last week that, or the week before, that Chuck Colson, after serving time for Watergate, he said, how do I know that the gospel is true? Because I saw people in Watergate turn on each other. You saw 12 disciples went out and gave their lives for Jesus Christ. And if they had covered up his actual death and no resurrection, they would never have stuck together and and paid with their lives. That's so true, isn't it? 12 disciples give us a great witness. And that is uh, spoken of several times. But think about the gamut that those 12 disciples ran. Matthew was a tax collector. This time of year is a hard thing. I, I spoke with my friend who's a retired uh, accountant. He said, when I retired, I called up the state and told them, retire my license. I don't ever want to do this again. Now I understand people are not going into accounting as they used to. 
It changes every year. It's just a mess all the time. And who is it that people hate more than anyone else this time of year? The tax collector and one of those disciples was Matthew. You know why? You can do that and be honorable about it. But not only that, a zealot, Simon the Zealot, what was Simon the Zealot? That would be a hard right person that wants to reestablish the dominion of Israel over that land. How could a tax collector work together with a zealot? It's pretty easy when they both trust Christ as Savior, isn't it? Because that makes them think correctly. But you could look at others. Thomas, poor guy, is spoken of a doubting Thomas. He just wanted to be certain what he had his faith in. But he's one that worked together with the other disciples. And even James, especially the brother of Jesus, when he writes a book that says faith without works is dead, we know the context of that. We went through that recently. Your salvation is by faith. But you can tell me you have faith all you want, but if there's no change in your life, there's no evidence of faith. It's not me to judge. We know that. There wasn't any evidence in Lot's life, but God said he was a just man. But we receive the counts, we, we receive the uh, witness of men, don't we? And we know that this Bible is true. From uh, cover to cover, every word is true. Every word is certain, don't we? Look at this one, 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. I might have turned to this already. 2 Peter 1, look at verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That's just a few words, but your mind can go nuts thinking about that image. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. When? Uh, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In other words, they're talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter heard, Peter, James, and John heard this, uh, this testimony of heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Isn't that an incredible thing? That God would show to them, and, they, and Peter here, by inspiration, is giving testimony to that very fact. <coughs> Excuse me. But then it says in verse 19, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, Whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You know what's more important than if someone had a vision? The Bible you hold in your hands. It's more reliable. I saw a posting that says, if you stare at this thing, maybe some of you saw it, if you stare at this thing for a while and then turn and look at a blank wall, you'll see Jesus. Well, it's easy to make your eyes do that. But the picture of Jesus you see on the wall is someone's image of him, some impression they try to uh, give you. And they're fairly common, you know, usually a, a brown-haired or blonde-haired, long-haired Jesus, which is not what he was. But uh, you can see that on the wall. That's not... That's not truth. Someone will tell you, well, God came to me. In fact, in Job, the first one that talked to Job, Job said, I had a vision in the night. And he thought he should be heard because of that. You know what Peter says? I heard God speak from heaven, but this is more of a sure word of prophecy. This is certain. In 2,000 years, actually, I would say 
3,500 years because 1,500 years before Christ, the Bible was written somewhere back. I don't, I'm not good on the dates, but for 3,500 years, all kinds of people have tried to destroy this book, and it still thrives. It's still one of the most uh, uh, sold books in all the world. Isn't that an amazing thing? Yes, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Peter speaks on the mount, and you know in Romans 10, tells us how we get saved. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they be sent unless God sends them? When we hear the witness of men, there are several earthly witnesses we have. The Bible, we have the, we have, uh, the witness of Peter on the mount. We have the witnesses of the preacher that led you to Christ, whoever it was, maybe just a personal worker. And what they spoke to us was the word of life, and we trusted them and, and trusted the word, and God saved. But at either instance you look at, People are happy to believe earthly witnesses, but we have a more sure word than that, don't we? The witness of man is such, but look at this. If we receive the witness of men, sometimes you do. It might be the news media. Certainly as a witness of men speaking you the words of life when you got saved. The witness of God is greater. The witness of God is greater. Well, God's witness is the same as His word, isn't it? So you just have to meditate upon that, but God's word is greater, isn't it? What is God's witness to us? The witness of God? In verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. You know what God's witness is? First of all, he just speaks with plain words, doesn't he? He speaks with plain words. It's wonderful to see children very young come to know Jesus because it's a simple gospel, and children know they've been They've done wrong. Children know that they're sinners after a certain age. They realize that mom and dad care for them and chasten them if they do wrong. <clears throat> it's not hard for them to realize that they're sinners. Just plain words. It's greater than man's witness. And what is that witness? Well, in verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of His Son. What's that record? This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is... It's not in a church. It's not in some formality like baptism or, or catechism or anything like that. It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if there's anything that should be emphasized constantly is this, that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know why I can say that? Because having a personal relationship with your spouse puts your marriage on a solid foundation. And that's just a picture of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, sometimes uh, sometimes David even would say, uh, would you listen to me? Don't turn a deaf ear. I don't remember the words. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed. Sometimes it seems like heaven is silent to me. Hey, in a home sometimes um, you might both be busy in the Communion isn't what it always is, but we have a fellowship one with another, and it's there as it should be because Jesus Christ lives within us. The witness of God is it's by faith. It's by faith. In other words, you trust Him and you commit yourself to Him. I've had people say to me before, uh, I understand what that says, but I'm not ready to do that. So they know the truth. They've seen the truth that, yes, they're sinners and that, that sin will take them to hell. And they, they've seen that truth, but 
they don't have the faith, they don't have the desire to put their faith and trust in Christ. Isn't it funny the devil uh, uh, dazzles people and tells them, fools people into thinking that you'll have to give up too much to get saved. Man, you don't give up anything. Remember, just John 3 says uh, that we, one of the things we give up is the wrath of God. I don't mind giving that up, do you? I don't mind giving that up. Uh, we, we give up insecurities. Yeah, I don't mind giving that up either. We give up uh, bewilderment about truth, both past, present, and future history, because the Bible says the natural man receiveth not those things. You give up ignorance and all kinds of things when you come to Jesus Christ. Why? Because then God implants His Spirit within you, and you are trained and led by the Holy Spirit of God. That's a great place to be in, isn't it? You know what the message is, the witness is? Faith in His Son. Faith in His Son. What a wonderful thing that is. His Son, His witness is His Son. God testifies to us of His Son. I think we get accustomed to lifting up Jesus, which is perfectly wonderful. But remember, there was a day that God the Father sent Him to us. There was a day when God the Father turned His back on Jesus, having laid the sins of the world upon His back. There was a day when God turned a deaf ear to the, to the cries of Jesus when He bore our sins away and tasted death for every man. And so when God's provided the way, <clears throat> do you think He's going to be sympathetic with people who think they can earn it themselves? Sympathetic with people who don't understand that that way that's provided is the only way. And there are phony preachers today that won't tell you that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. They're frauds, and yet people still follow them. His witness is His Son. He was provided. He's preached in the world. Uh, his faith is practice, isn't it? And you know, we get assurance through His Word, don't we? In verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. Why? Because God himself in his spirit lives within us. John 16, 13 says, he comes, he'll lead you into all truth. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That God leads us into all truth. All the truth we need is at our disposal because Jesus Christ reigns within us, lives within us. <coughs> and we have that we have that presence in ourselves and ourselves. Isn't that a wonderful thing? A child has the presence of God in their lives if they've trusted Him as Savior. The oldest of men or women, even when they've said this before, that, that um, folks that have had horrible accidents where they've lost their mind, the salvation is of the heart. Even when the mind's gone, you respond to spiritual things. We've been at the veterans' home, and we've sung these old songs, and people that never lift their head, people that are incapable of <coughs> conversation, excuse me, they'll have tears in their eyes because they remember the old songs. Why? Because salvation, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. If I lose my mind, salvation's right there anyway. Why? It's a miracle from God. And the whole idea of this passage is that God wants you to be safe and secure in the arms of Jesus. To know you, know Him, know you have boldness to come before His throne. To know you can 
you can preach him as the soul, the body's, the, the soul's only salvation. To know all that, he dwells us. That gives us peace, gives us security, gives us direction, gives us certainty. Think of those men that were led to foreign fields, and really America is almost as dark as some of the foreign fields are. <coughs> Excuse me. Think of those places, how hard it would be to leave home how hard it would be to leave home. And yet your heart's given to that new land. And like David Livingston, when he died, they shipped his body back to England, but they buried his heart under a tree where he died because his heart was in Africa. Now that's quaint. <coughs> that's quaint, isn't it? But it means something, too, doesn't it? He, he was in Africa so long that he lost his ability to speak his native tongue. He was in Africa so long. Uh, I, I understand this, that when they, his body was brought back to England, that they found in his pants a copy of one of Spurgeon's sermons, folded all up. I don't know. I haven't seen confirmation of that. But, hey, people that love the Lord love the preaching of the Word, don't they? Well, it is the indwelling of God in our hearts, that gives us assurance. But in the last part of verse 10, he that believeth not the record that God gave of his son, it's because you've made God a liar. You made, God says there's only one way to heaven. Well, I think there are lots of ways to heaven. You're calling God a liar. Now, that's not my opinion. That's what I just read. That's what God says. There's only one way to heaven. Why? Because there's only one person can fix the problem with us. You know what's wrong with the, the, um, the upper crust here that thinks they can impose their will on us? They think that men can have the answer to the world's ills. They've thought that since time began. Remember Cain? Let me show you the fruit of my garden. That's good enough, God. No, it's not. And one day they'll have a rude awakening, won't they? Unbelief rejects God's provision and the record he's given. Of all the Old Testament and New Testament together, all of it together fits. And the book is a study of, first of all, the sin of man, but then how God provides to remedy our, our ill. That is a, an innocent lamb, the lamb of God that takes away our sins. And when we refuse to believe, we may make God into a liar, don't we? Look at God's record in verse 11. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. You didn't earn it. You didn't qualify for it. God hath given us eternal life. And I know that, that really goes back to John 10. Look at John 10. And there are still people that think they're they're um, doing you a favor by telling you you can't, you can't be secure because after all, if you sin after you're saved, you must have lost something, right? Everyone sins after. We're still sinners. It's just that my pay, penalty is paid for already. But in John 10, which is a companion to Psalm 23, it says, <clears throat> 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. And what does eternal life mean? They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. 
Now, the one that wants is determined to believe that you can't know you're, uh, for certain you're going to heaven, yeah, but you can, you can leave the Father's hand. No man, I'm still a man, can I pluck myself? I, no man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. But look at the next verse. My, <clears throat> my Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So it tells us eternal life is a gift. God puts you uh, into the Son's hand and covers you with the Father's hand. And if you think you can lose that, you make God into a liar. Again, that's what it says. Aren't you glad? All this, all this does, it doesn't praise a man for making good decisions. It praises God for great provision, doesn't it? What, is, what does the Holy Spirit come and do? He lifts up Jesus Christ. In all of eternity, <coughs> the Spirit of God moved on the waters. And he was there at creation, but the Creator left heaven and came to this earth to suffer like he suffered. And we'll look at some of that in just a minute. But God's record is he gives life. He gives eternal life. And that life is only in his Son. Only in his Son. If you want to see the portrait of Jesus Christ and what he did, Isaiah 53 says, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Now, can you imagine just how far beyond those words reality was? He was acquainted with grief, wasn't he? What would Jesus Christ think of his mother, Mary, at the foot of the cross, or uh, Mary Magdalene at the foot of the cross, as he's dying, and they don't entirely understand this? the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, the one who loves us so much, how would his heart go out to them? In John 11, Jesus wept at the weep, not at the death of Lazarus because he raised him from the dead, at the weeping of the people around. He was acquainted with grief, wasn't he? He was despised and rejected. I mean, remember, despised doesn't just mean you hate him. It means you just dismiss him. And they sat down and watched him die in Matthew 27. We can't even begin to, to describe what was happening there, and probably so much so that God put darkness on the face of the earth while he was dying. Man, man, the Bible portrait is that strong. He is precious to believers, though, isn't he? The Bible says in Isaiah 52, he was marred more than any man. How would you actually even picture that in your mind? I don't even want to picture it in my mind, but if he's marred more than any man, there have been people that died horrible deaths, but that was in an accident. This was intentional. Life is only in the Son of God. So God the Father, provide, he did all he could to provide our eternal life. And if we want to think there's another way, he has no reason to have patience with us. No reason. Because it's his son. Jesus is his son by declaration that died in our place. That's really amazing. God suffered in providing. And you're given the chance to take it or leave it. I'm so glad I took it. Aren't you? Aren't you glad the day you got saved, that settled everything? Hey, that didn't mean it was easy going from then on. But man, 
the wrath of God was no longer upon you. And later on in the New Testament, we're not appointed under wrath. Two other places it says we're not under the wrath of God because the wrath of God left us when we got saved. John 3, 18 and 36. Well, the God's record is wonderful, isn't it? But let's just close with this, the witness of the Word of God. Now, I read verse 13 a couple times. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. So he wrote these so that you can know you have eternal life. So that you can know you have eternal life. So if I can lose it, what's the book of 1 John for? It's a waste of time. It's so that I can know, because the Son of God is life. It, the Son of God is life. Now, you want to see in John's inspired writings, look at the book of John chapter 20, and I really love this verse too, John chapter 20. And sometimes the Bible gives you, maybe if you will, a little of the background, kind of sneaks it in there. John 20 verse 31, 30, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. John says, I couldn't begin to write all the things that Jesus did. But notice verse 31. But these, that is these miracles and these instances are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. That's the purpose of the book of John. That's the purpose of Jesus coming to this earth. It was that we can know we have eternal life. The purpose of his writing is for the confidence of the believer. Purpose of his writing is confidence in the believer's heart. Probably persecution of that day made some people retract their statements. I, I don't know why I know this. Latimer in, in England, Latimer and what was the other guy's name? Anyway, one of them was burned at the stake and the other one recanted his faith. Come on, Jonathan, help me out. Huh? Anyway, Latimer and his friend, they were in their 80s. People told them, just tell them what they want to hear. And the first one went to, the, to uh, his death, on, burned at the stake. And his friend watched him from the window. He had recanted. The next day or immediately after, he went in and recanted his recantation. And, of course, they burned him at the stake. And when he was burning at the stake, he held his hand out to the flames and said, with his hand, I signed that paper, and it'll burn first. So I know that there are people that in a moment, moment of weakness have <clears throat> maybe done what they regretted. You know, Paul said his testimony was, I dragged men and women into prison and caused them to blaspheme. I'm not here to judge that. You don't know what you do when your life is on the line and you're miserable. They invented some really horrible tortures to get you to recant your faith. But I know this. We have faith in a wonderful Savior, don't we? Probably persecution made some people retract. And then they'd maybe fill with guilt and all that. But you know what? Once you got saved, you stay saved. You stay saved. And that's not an excuse for retraction. None of that stuff is true. But I know this, that Jesus knows what you're 
suffering more than most people would. And we have this book, this little book of five chapters written that we may be absolutely convinced of our soul's salvation and our eternal home in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? The flesh still, um, the flesh, uh, Lynn, you might have to help me read this. Um, the flesh still, um, it's too easy for our flesh to fail. That's not what I wrote, but it's that idea. The flesh too easily digresses, doesn't it? The flesh too easily wins out. That's why people sin after they're saved. And he wrote this book that we might know we have eternal life. That we might know it. The devil still resists us, doesn't he? What's it going to be like in that millennium where God binds the devil for a thousand years? Well, I can only speculate, but man, what a great prospect that is, isn't it? But the devil today still resists it. Second Corinthians tells us the devil blinds the minds of them that believe not. The devil's still in the business, not just of destroying lives, but blinding lost people's minds, giving them every reason not to trust Jesus as Savior. And anyone who is saved can give you a marvelous testimony of what he's done in our lives. Isn't that wonderful? The devil still resists us. But God confirms over and over again our eternal security. You need to have uh, verses in your, at your disposal. I go to Romans 8. Look at Romans chapter 8. When I have led someone to Christ, I say, you know, I can't see your heart. But I know this. If you meant business, oh, yeah, I did. And you trusted Christ as Savior. Look at Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. That is, that is spiritual beings. Principalities and powers. Nor things present, nor things to come. In other words, I know that nothing in the future can separate me from the love of God. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He knows nothing can separate him. Isn't that a wondrous truth? You see a lot of kids today that deal with insecurities because their homes aren't happy or because their homes are broken or because there's been a heartache and loss. And <clears throat> Sometimes kids will say, well, I prayed for something and God didn't give it to me. And sometimes we're too quick to blame God. But God wrote a whole book, five chapters that a child can read that assures us that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, it's a done deal. We're going to heaven. That's why Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. The time of my departure is at hand. <coughs> Don't you like those words better than just death? That makes me think of swing low, sweet chariot. Does it you? Time of my departure is at hand. Hey, that heavenly railroad's coming to get me. He said, well, yeah, but you're going to die. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sure. Maybe it's not on back there. Nora says, it sounds pretty horrible back there. I know this. The day, I've often wondered this. The day you die, 
what do you experience? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That means that fast, actually faster. You're in God's presence. Isn't that a wondrous truth? You know how many people die without Christ or die as atheists or die just mixed up or die religious and lost? Death wouldn't be the same for them, would it? Wouldn't be the same for them. That's why there are criminals all over this world, but maybe the worst dupe is the one that talks people out of faith instead of trusting Christ, you trust a church or some ordinance. Terrible thing. God, God confirms it. Probably this is giving us certainty to weak believers. Man, I know people, I've told people, you know, you come from an insecure home and you've got this impression that you have to earn your dad's or your mom's approval. I don't have to earn my father in heaven's approval. I trusted Christ as Savior and I have his approval. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That gives you a security the world knows nothing about. Gives you strength to finish your course. And by the way, Paul's course wasn't very exciting. I, it was exciting, but wasn't very comfortable. He, I guess, hadn't been informed on the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel of our day. Shipwrecked and beaten and rejected. Probably to weak believers. <clears throat> it's also to believers themselves that they might grow. You know, when you have confidence that your Savior will keep you all the way to heaven, you're going to praise Him more. We're going to take this songbook and sing all the songs of heaven about how wonderful a Savior we have. And even more, people are going to sit down that are musical, and I hate them, and they're going to write words and write songs that just praise Jesus more and more. Sometimes I have a song in my heart, but I'm not musical. And of course, I'm kidding about hating them. I'm so glad that God gives music to some people. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Because it's the, it's the uh, song of your heart. If you will, it's the art, is, uh, the art of your heart. You love the Lord and you want to sing about Him. No one sings about Buddha. No one sings about Muhammad. Well, certainly, that last part of verse 13 that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Well, to follow him along, you, you are there being confirmed that you're eternally secure because of your faith in Jesus Christ, and yet it says one more time that you may believe in him. That it gives us certainty of our soul salvation, but it gives us even more than that. It gives us a double security because it helps us to realize how much more his faith in Him means to us. Salvation means to us. We have eternal security right now. If you've trusted Christ, we just read, height nor depth, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Isn't it interesting that God's love is in Christ? And isn't it wonderful that the time Jesus was on earth, He did always what pleased the Father? But the Holy Spirit of God always lifts up Jesus, always does. And it's faith in Jesus that gives us salvation. And now we see that it gives us even more. He gives us security in that, all of it wondrous truth. And you need to have 513 in your repertoire because people will tell you all the time on the street, well, you can't know you're going to heaven when you die. Oh, I beg to differ. This is what it says. Open your Bible and show it to them. 
These things have I written that you may know you have eternal life. I guess the Bible says you can know. That's good enough for me. I just love this book. The more you study it, the more you love it. Let's pray.